Today's reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin the destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Then will all your people be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands, for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord, in its time I will do this swiftly. I love this season of Advent leading up to Christmas. This season of waiting, of anticipating the coming celebration. And it's a special kind of waiting and it's a special kind of coming that we're thinking about in Advent. The prayerful anticipation, celebrating the coming of Christ into the world at Christmas, the coming of his spirit in the world today, and his final coming at the end of the world, as we know it now. It's an amazing time. Now, our theme for the whole of this Christmas is very simply Christmas hope. Uh, that doesn't surprise you when we've been following hope all the way through the year. It's only natural that as we come to Christmas, we give that our emphasis. So, uh, in these coming three, three or four weeks, Christmas hope is going to be our big theme. The Christmas story is full of hope. And as we've been exploring hope throughout the year, as we build up towards this very special celebration, we focus on all the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. That begins tonight with the launch of our Christmas program, and we'll carry it on through in the coming weeks in different ways. I'd like to say a word about this evening, first of all. And one of the things that I'd really like us to do this evening is to pray particularly about those things that are happening which may be linked to one of you, many of you, in the preparation of Christmas, which is some form of Christian activity, witness, or whatever, but it's outside of the church environment. So are you arranging anything, or are you involved in anything in the next few weeks that we can pray for tonight. Maybe it's a carol service at work, 
And I know that some of you are involved in carol services through your workplace. Maybe it's a neighbor's night. I know that some of you do regularly invite your neighbors around just before Christmas for a little bit of a gathering. Maybe it's a Christmas event at school that you're involved in. Most of our Christian mission in the next three weeks takes place outside of this building. There are a few things happening here too, and they're very important. But what is happening outside of here is absolutely vital to the next three weeks. Where you are tomorrow and every day, this week and next week and the week after, how you are living and how you are speaking about Christmas. So let's get that information for tonight so that we can pray. Now, if you're able to come in person tonight, I'll have the microphone and you'll be uh, given the opportunity just to say what you're doing. If you're not able to come in person tonight, please send me a text. My phone's on silent. You can do it now. I don't mind. But I prefer you to listen to the sermon and then send the text. Send a text. Send an email. Whatever, it will come. And I will gather that information and put it out for those who are able to pray this evening. But I think this is very, very important. So I'm going to stress it. What are you doing in the next three weeks outside of church where you will be a Christian presence amongst other people, where you'll be talking about Christmas, or where there will be some form of Christmas worship, or where there will be a gathering which involves a nativity or something like that? And how can God use you there as part of our Christian witness in this Advent season? And if you're not doing anything, get on to it. There's such an opportunity in these coming weeks. So let's hear that so that we can pray. That's why we want to hear the information. So that our prayers tonight can be focused, they can be specific, and we can ask for God's blessing on these occasions. So that's tonight. And we'll think particularly about the Christmas hope tonight. But this morning, we take the wider theme of this Advent hope because Advent is more than Christmas. It is more than just the lead up to Christmas. And one of the great passages for Advent is this uh, word in Isaiah chapter 60. It's an amazing prophecy that's often read at this time of year. It's amazing theology as well. It says something very remarkable about God and about hope. The nation Israel had been through a dark time, a time in exile. And in the exile, and to some extent in the early days of the return to Jerusalem, which was never as grand as it was first envisaged, things were not really particularly good. The temple lay in ruins for many, many years. The numbers of people returning to Jerusalem were relatively small. Morale was low. It left the nation wondering if this was all God was doing in the world, or was there something more? And in response to that question, the message of the prophets just burst out at this point in history. An amazing word of hope. The picture here is of a great bright light shining over the nation as the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then, as it were, with that spotlight focused on one nation, one part of the world, at this particular point in time. 
it's as if the rest of the world remains in darkness but sees that light. And so the nations are drawn to it. You see verse 2, See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, his glory appears over you, and nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's as if the light, the, the glory of the Lord that was shining upon the nation Israel was as acting as a magnet that people would come to him and come to them. Jerusalem itself is not specifically mentioned here. But it was known, obviously, to be the central location for the Israelite nation after the exile. But in a way, this vision moves beyond one particular time and one particular place. It embraces the future of God's kingdom right across the world. People come from north, south, east, and west, from land and sea, bringing the wealth of their nations. And the kings lead their way in a triumphant procession. And as we go on into the later part of Isaiah chapter 60, the second section, if you like, of what Alan read to us, verses 18 onwards. Amazing words. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates peace. This is an amazing vision. This is going beyond anything that we have yet seen or experienced. The sun will no longer be your night by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine upon you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. This is extending beyond the world as we now know it to something even greater. And by the end of this chapter, we've been transported, as it were, to the most amazing situation, way beyond anything, that was remotely expected, either in the world, uh, when the words were first given, or even in the world that we see today. This is moving towards the final chapter of history. But do we need to wait till then for the fulfillment of these words? Is this just about the future? I don't think so. The opening part of this prophecy, these words on the screen, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Haven't we seen that already to some extent? Isn't that what we are looking towards celebrating at Christmas? I would suggest that this is a prophetic message that first looks towards the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Because Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. John, in his introduction to John's gospel, says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has never overcome it. And Luke's account of the birth of Jesus tells of the angels singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Much of what was said in the opening words of Isaiah 60 came to fruition when Jesus was born. Here was the great gift of light and of life. So the coming of Jesus is the first stage in the fulfillment of these words in Isaiah. And we look forward in anticipation to celebrating that again this Christmas. We have three weeks to go. However many shopping days that might be. 
But I'm sure you're aware that actually it is not historically correct to celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. This magic 25th of December didn't come out of the Bible. And every indication is that this particular date originated in a totally different way with the ancient birthday of the sun god Mithra, a pagan deity whose religious influence became widespread in the Roman Empire during the first centuries after the time of Christ. And a winter holiday developed that started the week before the 25th of December. It was characterized by the exchange of gifts, by feasting and by singing. And then it seems as if what happened was that the Emperor Constantine converted this pagan tradition into the Christian holiday of Christmas. And therefore, we could actually say that the Roman birthday of the sun became the Christian birthday of the sun. You need to see that on the screen, really, to understand it, don't you? The Roman birthday of the sun god, Mithra, became the Christian birthday of the Son of God, Jesus. This all happened in Central Europe, where, of course, it's winter at this time of year. It may not be quite so relevant to those who live close, close to the equator or in the southern hemisphere, but for those who live in this part of the world, the fact is that Christmas comes at the darkest part of the year. But Christmas, as well as coming in this part of the world at the darkest part of the year, it also emerges in its tradition out of the darkness of paganism. And doesn't that make it a phenomenally powerful Christian message? That at this time of year, in this way, what we really celebrate is the light of Christ shining in our darkness. This is our hope. And the message that we want to convey in the next three weeks is that there is real hope in the birth of Jesus Christ. More of that tonight, but there is real hope in this moment when Jesus was born. And that needs to kind of just excite you a bit in here. Not just hear it up there, but just feel there is amazing hope in the birth of Jesus but going back to Isaiah 60, this prophetic message which looks forward to the coming of Jesus, this is also a prophetic message that looks forward to the presence of the Spirit across the world today. There is more in Advent hope than just remembering the time when Jesus came, though that was indeed filled with hope. And though it is for us a great message of hope, that we share at this time of year. But there is more. The Apostle Paul links this theme of light very much to the Holy Spirit. He says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The light of Christ is shining today. The rising of the Lord is upon you and me here and now, 
Because the Spirit is at work. And it's the Holy Spirit moving across the world today that is giving a rising of hope. Sometimes I think that what is the most significant time of year for the awareness of church and people thinking about Christmas can also be the weakest time of year in our spiritual journeys. Parties take precedence over prayer meetings. The chaotic activity in preparation for Christmas takes over the stillness of truly waiting on the Lord. It has to happen. Advent has to be a deeply spiritual time when the Holy Spirit is given space to move. When the glory of the Lord shines among you. Today, will you arise and shine for the light of Jesus has come? Will you look to him and be radiant? Will there be an excitement in your heart because the Holy Spirit is here? He's moving powerfully across a broken and a needed world. Will you rise and shine because God the Holy Spirit is here today. The darkness around us is clear for all to see. And in particular this year, we approach Christmas at a time of political turmoil, possibly beyond anything that I can remember in recent history. Will Brexit happen or won't it? Will there be a deal or won't there be a deal? What's going to happen in however many days' time when Parliament votes? None of us know these answers. Confusion and chaos abounds. In the darkness of our nation, at this very moment, the light of Christ shines powerfully. Not just in a baby that was born 2,000 years ago, but in his spirit. Holy Spirit of God that is working in the world today, bringing light where there is darkness, bringing hope where there is despair. The image here is of light shining in the darkness today, the presence and power of His Spirit bringing light and life where without Him there is darkness and death. But let me take you in the final stage of this journey. Because I believe these words in Isaiah 60 are a prophetic message that had their first fulfillment in their coming of Jesus, had a greater fulfillment as we recognize the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God working in the world today. But they have a final fulfillment when Jesus returns, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and a final time when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And as this chapter in Isaiah 60 moves towards its final words, this part of the vision becomes clear. No need for the sun or the moon, for the Lord will be the light. No sickness or death, because all God's people will be righteous and will inherit the land forever. This is going beyond the present order to something new and different when Jesus returns in power and in glory. It clearly links to the words of Revelation chapter 21, the end of that uh, book in Revelation. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. 
The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. No, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. That's Revelation 21. It's the same as Isaiah 60. When will this happen? Nobody knows. The early believers in New Testament times really thought it would happen in their lifetime. And then as the years continued, the expectation of Christ's return kind of moved a bit into the background. But we need to live as if this might happen today or tomorrow or any time. Some people make a big fuss, don't they, about the signs of the times. There have been those who have predicted that because of this world event or that world event, it must tell us that the Lord is coming. And then he hasn't come. And then the same thing has happened again a few years later or a few years later because of other events. We're actually told in the New Testament that the Lord will return when we least expect it. And that suggests to me that it'll be a moment when we're sitting back thinking all is well. That moment of complacency is the most risky moment of all. We need to be alert. We need to be watchful. We need to be waiting with expectancy that one day Jesus will return. And if you like, we'll usher in the final chapter of this great vision of the light shining in the darkness. The gift of Jesus at Christmas, his presence through the Spirit today, and his final coming in power and glory. And so to gather all that together, our final hope is in the past coming of Jesus in Bethlehem, the present coming of the Spirit in power, and the future return of Christ. That's why Advent is such a big theme. This is what we're celebrating. That something amazing has happened in the past, that something remarkable and powerful is happening in the present time, and something amazing is going to happen in the future. And Jesus is right at the center of all of that. And if this is our Advent hope, then may I suggest today that all three of those strands are equally important. You can't just celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas and ignore what he's wanting to do in your life today and don't think about what is going to happen in the future. All three are equally important. You can't just focus on what Jesus is doing today without recognizing that it springs from that amazing moment when God became man and Jesus was born. And when he will return in power and glory. All three are equally important. And we need to embrace the whole gospel in our Advent hope, not just a little bit of it, but the whole of it. But for me, all three are also equally exciting. 
And I can't wait for this season to unfold in the next two or three weeks. It's just so exciting to be able to celebrate that great moment when Jesus was born, all that it means. It's so exciting that people are talking about Jesus and church and Christmas services and all right, may not be quite for the right reasons and so on, but it's a springboard for our conversation, for our faith, our witness. And so we can believe that the power of the Spirit will bring hope into broken lives today. We can believe that even at this point in the time, the power of the Holy Spirit can transform the state of our nation and the nations of the world. And we can also look forward in anticipation to when it's all going to finally come to an end and Jesus returns. And we need to be ready for that by being committed to him now, trusting in him now, following him now, so we're ready when he does return. I find all of this hugely exciting. And I trust you do too. And I trust that this will capture your heart in this season. Don't just let the next three weeks pass by and just don't let them get too busy either. Let them be full of Advent, faith, and hope. And maybe the songs that we're about to sing will just kind of reinforce that in our worship. That what we've heard from the scriptures we can really respond to and apply in our worship and in the lives that we live following on from that. I think it's only, uh, I couldn't think of a better song than the one that we're about to sing. Great is the darkness that covers the earth. Come, Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit, we pray. And then to really celebrate not only the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, see what a morning, but also all that is yet to come when Jesus returns. I think these, both of these songs take us on that journey through the Advent hope. And uh, as we sing them, just let this really capture your heart in a powerful way so that you will live differently in these weeks leading up to Christmas because God has gripped you and you are truly trusting him, following him and longing that others would discover that same hope. Let's stand and worship and sing.